Welcome, Yatunde. It's so fantastic to be here with you today. It's it's a delight to be here. I'm excited about what you're doing and what you're looking to accomplish. So thank you for having me. That's great. Well, uh, for those who don't know you, so Yatunde um, is is a woman of many talents and accomplishments. Uh, amongst others, you know, you have been in the corporate world for 25 years. Uh, working on leadership, on talent, on organizational development. Um, you then kind of transitioned into more, you know, non-executive director roles on a number of boards um, and are now like an executive coach really advising leaders, you know, how to be more effective in their work. And I love to, um, Yatunde, you've set up uh, Solaris, this program really focusing on supporting and empowering Black women executives and professionals um, in this moment. So that's a, a recent project of yours. Um, and I also love, Yatunde, that you're a classically trained pianist and fly fisher. So um, yes. we, we might bring <laughs> some music uh, analogies into the conversation. Some colleagues of ours no problem. Uh, wrote a book called Entrepreneurship and All That Jazz. So there is something kind of between these worlds uh, that, that might be fun to explore as well. Um, absolutely absolutely yeah so so again thank you for being here and of course you know one of the reasons we're talking is about your recently published book so it's called thank you beyond engagement the value of love-based leadership in organizations so thank tell you. me tell me about the process of <laughs> of getting this baby out into the world what did that look like do you know what maggie i i started to feel that there's got to be another way there has to be another way you know i've worked across a variety of companies um, at senior levels and the I drove a, a program which was looking at the transformation of a very successful FTSE 25 business 30 billion market cap so how do you transform this business from one that was manufacturing led to one that be more consumer marketing led so you can imagine a business like that and the, the level of uncertainty that a lot of the people would feel and in spite of everything that we tried, there was still uncertainty. Um, and the behaviors that started to come out, you're thinking, hmm, what's going on here? So that's one thing. Secondly, you know, you said I've done OD talent. I've driven a lot of engagement programs, um, looked at productivity. It's been fantastic, of course. But still, when you look at the world of work, um, engagement levels are inconsistent. Um, people are still having challenges with their mental and emotional health. And then, of course, latterly, um, the whole world and the world of work started to look at purpose-driven organizations, bringing well-being and all of those aspects and driving the whole area around diversity and still not a lot of change. Mm -hmm. And then latterly, as you will know, the whole socioeconomic impact last year with the murder of George Floyd, the way the entire world of people across all races, all genders, just stood up and said, enough is enough in the way we're behaving with humanity. Now, my book was actually written before then. And I was wondering, how, how, can, how can this help businesses be more inclusive? And then George Floyd happened. Mm -hmm. um, 
so it's it was a combination of things and the other thing as well Maggie was my own personal experience the experience I had my desire a lot of time to want to be included um feeling excluded at times feeling sometimes undervalued and also from myself maybe not even valuing myself enough so if you're not valuing yourself enough how can you expect other people to value you so so this concoction of things started to happen but the most poignant moment in the process to this book was a few years ago i was sat on the board of a non-profit and i had the opportunity to visit with friends the country of ethiopia and spend some time in the capital addis ababa and on the way there with my friends executives you know as you are in the corporate world and senior executives we 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 had to stop over in nairobi on the way there we complained about the 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 food on the plane we complained about waiting at the airport we we just complained complained and then of course as executives do with more time we meandered over to the area of work we complained about things there about meetings that person that person and when i think about it it was just a journey of complaint all the way through complained about the hotel complained about the location the dust over there everything and then the day before we left i had the opportunity to visit a woman who would have the biggest impact on me to date she lived in a shack about 100 meters from the city's local rubbish dump it was about 4 square in her shack was about it was about 4 square meters by 3 single mother of four we me and my three friends we sat squatted up on the bench in her room as you walked towards the shack in the little settlement the smell was putrid really stinking and we got that she wore her best clothes to welcome us and as we sat in her little shack she regaled us with the strategic location of her shack just 100 meters because it meant that she could get up at the crack of dawn and go to this rubbish dump to rummage for food to cook for her children it meant she could look for utensils that she could sell in the market for her children she made us coffee she made us popcorn and she she allowed us to take photographs with her and she was happy to see us go she was so and on the way she gave us little gifts mm-hmm. she was so content with her situation this woman that had nothing and as we flew back on the plane maggie to our very big jobs in the corporate world and all that we had we were completely silent so the women that traveled there and the women that traveled back were two different people silent and the question i asked myself is this how come that somebody with so little could be so content and yet those of us that have so much could be so unhappy i think that was the actual moment that marked the turn around for me that there has to be another way if we're going to transform the world of work if we're going to create an environment where people would love what they do would thrive would be at their very best consistently 
will have an attitude of acceptance, we had to go to the very basic, the most critical need and gift ever of the human being, which is love. Wow. I mean, what an incredible story and journey. And I love that it was a literal journey, you know, that you saw that shift, you know, from the women that came on the plane to Ethiopia and the women that returned. And I think a lot of, you know, people listening right now will will relate to that moment where something touched them and they realized that there was a better way. There was a different way. So, you know, I, I thank you for sharing that. And I, what I'm struck by is that your, your epiphany was about love, that it was that deepest human, as you said, that desire and that need to love ourselves and love others and love the work. So talk to me more about love, right? A word we do not use in business ever, right? You know, and I imagine you get funny looks like, (laughs) I know, talk about love. So so first of all, I think it's helpful to define it. So, so what, like, how do you find love? That's a great place to start because love can have so many different connotations and interpretations. That's one of the reasons why it's challenging to broach in the world of work. The way that I define love is the, is the unconditional acceptance of all of who I am. What's love? my gender, my race, my orientation, my faith, my weaknesses, my strengths, all of who I am. Because if I'm operating from that place, that place of acceptance, then I can accept another person for all of who they are. What's the all? That's how I define love, the unconditional acceptance of all of me and all of you. Mm. I mean, it's so powerful just listening to you say it that way. And when you talk about those those emotions around fear and uncertainty that come up, you know, that and then it leads to behaviors and actions that, you know, we don't potentially want in the world. So this idea right. of, yeah, shifting from that place of fear uh, and and lack of acceptance and and judgment and shame of our ourselves. I think that's such yes. an interesting thing that you're bringing that we don't often talk about at work or with the work. It always is out there. Yeah, absolutely, Maggie. Can you imagine in the world of work, and there'll be many people from across different industries, different types of jobs, um, listening to us today and. And to to people out there who we all are leaders, whether you're at the top of the tree running your business or you're the person that sweeps the floor and and greets people as they come in. We all are leaders and we all are human and we all contribute to make the world better. If we're not coming from that place of self-acceptance, what are the penalties that we pay? Second guessing, we'll have five or six meetings in preparation for one meeting. Everybody will be lobbying around trying to manage their careers. When a decision is made, you're wondering, well, was that decision really like this or that? You know, uh, uh, is my boss walking the talk? In the context of my performance review, was that feedback honest or wasn't it? Are my strengths really being leveraged? How do I want to be seen when I go to this meeting? Can I challenge or do I have to shut up and see who speaks first? Or if I really want to speak up, how might I be seen? Do I, will I look stupid? This is what happens. So it adds stress. But can you imagine 
in an organization where love was really being expressed and experienced, the speed at which decisions would be made, the way that people would make contribution without censure, the way they make requests, the effective allocation of resources, people would manage talent because it's the better, we're looking for the greater good of the organization. We'd think about where are we going to source those products? Not because it's cheapest, but it's going to make the best impact on the environment. The community in which we operate, they'll benefit from my organization and from my leadership team being there. We'll have leaders that will be making decisions that are not just about the bottom line, but knowing that every time we make a decision, there's a person that's being impacted. I may not see him or her, but they might be on the other side of the world, but they are being impacted. That's the type of organization that if love were there in abundance, we'd have more of them in the world. So what is standing in the way? I mean, the vision you just described sounds like, yes, like who wouldn't want that? But what's what's in the way of, of this kind of vision you just described becoming reality? Yes. Well, when I interviewed the various leaders for my books, and and because I had a perspective, and then I wanted to understand their perspectives. And it is getting easier, but the number of things that are in the way, the first thing is about the self-awareness. So if you're going to start from acceptance, in leadership, the, the question to all leaders out there is, how well do you know you? Do you know what keeps you awake at night? Do you know what you're afraid of? Do you know what you hate, what you love? Do you know who you hate, who you love? Do you know, do you know what, what gives you fear? What makes you fearful? Do you really know what your purpose is? So this was, I mean, and so many, so that self-mastery, that appreciation of who you are, that's the first thing. So there's that lack of awareness because if there is, if there isn't, then you're tossed and turned by the feedback you get from colleagues, from stakeholders, because, oh, what you say I am is who I am, but actually no. Who you are is who you know you are. So that's the first thing. The second thing, Maggie, tends to be very practical. Time is a most precious commodity. It's a commodity and yet it's so priceless. And a lot of the leaders that I interviewed, and I and I experienced this myself, they're chasing time because there's so many stakeholders, so many things. We expect so much of our leaders. And yet when you demonstrate love one-to-one, it's about giving that quality time to the person who comes to your office to have a conversation. It's taking the time to coach, to, to, to focus on, on effective delegation, in taking the time to, to evaluate the consequences of decisions that we make on people, on resources, in our strategy. That all takes time. And so the, 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 the desire to to manage time gets in the way. That's the second thing. The third barrier, Maggie, is the, is the confusion around the use of a language of love. Some people are uncomfortable. Um, we've had not too long ago the Me Too movement for, for valid reasons, but is that connotation of, oh, what does the love in the office, what's that about? So I think the, the, the courage to, to, to broach the subject needs to be had, but from a place of how would we define it? So it, if we have a leader who's brave in his or her organization, so well, what, what could there be another way? Let's be innovative like that. Could there be another way? 
And if we're going, and if there could be a way where we have love in the way that we behave and the way we experience and we would work with each other, what would that look like? What would I see? What would I hear? How would we relate? How would we manage performance? How so it starts with a dialogue. So that barrier is around the confusion, how to define it, how would we bring it in? And the the encouragement I would give to all leaders out there is to take the approach that your entrepreneurs would take. If you're trying to bring change, starts with a thought. Secondly, you'd find somebody who had a shared view. And a problem shared is a problem halved. So when you come together with somebody else and you have that conversation, then the movement starts. So you just need to be that little pebble that creates the ripple in your organization or the person who flicks over the smallest domino and it starts. The world is desperate for people like you who are listening here today. We're desperate because the the, the keys to change in society in order for there to be inclusion in the best possible form, because you cannot have diversity without inclusion. And I believe you cannot have inclusion without love. So in order for there to be a world where people feel they can bring all of who they are to work without censure, we need people who are courageous and we need you now. The keys to change lies not in the hand of government. It lies not in the hand of political leaders. It lies in the hands of organizations and the entrepreneurs within them having the courage to make that first start. Mm. Yeah, so true. And I love that you can't have inclusion without love. Yeah. I'm sitting here listening to you and wondering, where is it working? In all the organizations you've worked with, the leaders you've come across, can you share something that where you thought this is love in action, this is what it actually looks like? I can. If I, if I take one of the individuals that's coming to, to share um, um, in your awesome conference, if you look at the organization that Pedro Tarak is associated with and the way what they're doing, the way they employ people, the considerations that they make for, for the environment, when the, the, the compassion that they apply in attracting the individuals, that's love in action. That's love in action. That's across the, the other side of the world, but that's love in action. If we look a bit more closely to the UK, there's an organization, it's not very big, they're in the world of events. And they actually have, as one of their values, show love. And that organization is a, an organization that runs and manages events. It's called Headbox Limited. And the way that they've managed and took care of their people, even though they had to make some very tough decisions, because can you imagine which industry was the most hit by the pandemic and the lockdown? That's one of them, hospitality events. But the way the leadership team navigated their way through that, the support they gave their people, the tough decisions they had to make, just looking from the outside in, I think that's another example of love in action. Now, of course, there will be part businesses that have pockets of it, 
pockets of it. And that's great because teams that work together, that support each other, that say, well, because we are, I am. And because I am, we are. That's amazing. We're a village. We, we are like this. We're united. That's, those are other examples of love. And I have some clients where I would say, hmm, that's love in action. That's absolute love in action. I love that. And, and Pedro Tarak is the, the founder of Sistema Bay or one of the founders of Sistema Bay in Latin America. So that's the B Corp movement in, in Latin America. And you're absolutely right. So it looks, you know, love in action looks as, as these large things, like how do we treat our employees? <clears throat> you know, how do we protect mm-hmm. uh, or regenerate the environment? Mm-hmm. I also love what you brought though, is the small, like the business meeting, right? Which how many meetings do we have? Like what would love do? Well, maybe love would invite us to have Zoom free Fridays, right? Maybe love would invite us to have 10 minutes between meetings so we could grab a coffee. And so so what I really enjoy that you're bringing it to me are these questions. Yes. Question and dialogue. So there isn't necessarily a right way or a playbook. No. The simple question of what would love do? Well, love would, 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 would ask the question, how are you? Mm. And it would be a genuine question. It wouldn't be, how are you? But really, hello, I'm going about my business. It would be, how are you? And I really want to know. Love would be at the start of the meeting, a proper check-in, not a ritual or two minutes each, that's it. It would be a proper check-in because you're more important than the agenda we have today. And people might say, well, you're saying that that's counterintuitive. We're paid to do a job. Actually, when you do that, can you imagine when your if your colleagues valued you as a human being, how much more you would deliver? So the very thing that you're trying to achieve, increase productivity, more profit, just by focusing on the individual genuinely, you would make. And if we if we look at an organization in the UK, Simpsons, they 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 cut keys, they repair shoes all across the UK. They they hire ex-offenders. That's love in action. How many organizations would say, well, we're happy to hire an ex-offender, we're happy to to forgive you, you you made a mistake on your application, we'll overlook it, we'll be not sorry, we don't want that mistake never again. So if love was present, there would be forgiveness. There would be, if somebody spoke over you in a meeting, you wouldn't immediately think, huh, who are you to speak over me? You might wonder, well, okay, uh, did you know that you spoke over me? You'd have a dialogue and you'd come from a place of, I value you and I'm going to forgive you. Now, the language of forgiveness, like the language of love isn't common in organization, but that's what gets in the way. Because when we come to meetings, when we're in strategy sessions, when we're in conferences, when we are in business networking meetings, often leaders will lead with their job and their role. But relate as human, and that's the problem, it should be turned around. Let's come to our meetings, let's come to our gatherings, let's come to our presentations, let's come to our decision forums and relate as human first, because that's more important and then get the job done. And we'll see how more effective we will be. So I'm listening to you. I'm holding this question of, has anything surprised you? Or I guess, yeah, what's been the most surprising uh, either moment or experience as you've been exploring this question of love and business? 
what what has surprised me actually um i have found now not every woman i interviewed but i have found some of the women that i interviewed actually more resistant to talk about love and as a woman i can i can understand i can relate i mean i am not the people i was interviewing so i know that i can't say it's exactly that but i i think i could i i could relate because women have challenges in in the world of work and so like oh now you're bringing love but over time even those women began to appreciate actually when i really think about it this is the answer so that's the first element of surprise and maggie the second one was the 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 extent to which some of the, the the men i interviewed this was very senior men ceos board directors was the the gentleness the compassion and actually the vulnerability at the end and the most powerful question i asked which surprised me was the one at the very end of the interview what else would you like to share or have you anything more to add and then the heart came out so starting off from the very business like well love hmm. and you can see i'm giving you time yet today and then it was like a journey i could see it by it it was one i have to say the interviews is just that i couldn't i wish i could, could capture the essence of them in the book the the process of interviewing was probably one of the most personally rewarding and inspiring experiences i've had to date and i felt very honored as to how open um my interviewees were and how vulnerable particularly in response to those last that last question they allowed themselves to be so it it really felt very special it's incredible and it just is a reminder as we you know entrepreneurs map their stakeholders and try to influence and engage and you know they're often asked for the business case and do the spreadsheet and give me the prototype and show me the data at the end of the day you're sharing all that with human beings yes and yes. some of for me in my work some of the most surprising stories have been when the you know head of a division cared about hunger yes. and taking care of communities and this didn't care about the spreadsheet you know that yeah. the that the entrepreneurs connect with these people as human beings like that's that and that's where the change happens right yeah. because you're as an entrepreneur you're asking people to take a bet on you you're asking people to take a risk you know the spreadsheet it, maybe it needs to be there but they're betting on you yes. you know and so you need to find that human connection absolutely. as a foundation for that work so absolutely and do you know what maggie I remember years ago when I was starting out in my career somebody would say to me if you want to apply for that job you know do your research on the person I think that still applies today even internally you're going to be working for a new boss you want to bring some change you're bringing a proposal you've got your spreadsheet but find out a little bit about he or she what you or what what you're bringing what are what are their what's important to them because and especially now in the midst of the pandemic people are coming out of it people are tired you're dealing with carers you're dealing with people who have had some challenges it might be financial they would tell you so not everybody in a big job earning a big package is has fantastic cash flow if they they may have children that are challenging for them they might they might be struggling with something themselves you don't know and so just 
even if you didn't say, hey, I know what you're struggling with, but just coming in with a, an, uh, what, uh, um, an attitude of holding into that meeting, even though your agenda is to, to leave with something, would help oil the wheels. And you've also got to be ready to, to, to give off yourself in that meeting. And then together you can make that change. If entrepreneurs, if, if more of them and more of you and us, if we can, if we can come from that place of acceptance and ourselves as human beings first, and we know that the stakeholder in front of us is also human, that person is representing a family. That person is representing other things. Then we could connect better. And when you connect faster, you've got trust. Because you, I don't think you can have trust in organization. And I know that there are consultants who focus on trust. And my question and, 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 and curiosity is how can there be genuine trust in a business if you don't have love? You can't. Yes, absolutely. So I have one last question. I feel you did share with us at the, the beginning, uh, but I still would love to hear this from you. So uh, Gifford Pinchot coined the term entrepreneur, and when he defined it, he talked about entrepreneurs as dreamers who do, right? So it's this wonderful combination of dreaming, the blue sky, anything mm -hmm. is possible, but then you have to do it too. And so the invitation um, for you, Yatunde, is to share your dream um, and maybe even, you know, frame it as a question that often entrepreneurs ask, you know, what if? Um, so if you could share for us your dream, your, your what oh. if, your big blue sky vision. Um, oh, wow. Juno, my vision is that imagine if we had a world where every decision that was made in the world of work, was the question was first asked, who are we impacting? And are we impacting them positively or not? Can you imagine that sort of world? It would be a world in which I wouldn't be concerned about the color of my skin. I would be proud of it. I wouldn't be concerned about my gender or my sexual orientation or my faith. I would be proud of it. I would be accepted because of what I wanted to contribute. We'd have organizations working together versus competing. Joint ventures will be genuinely that. Nations. Do you know what, Maggie? Can you imagine if there was a world in which there was love? Would there be poverty? Would there be poverty on the scale that we see it? Would, there, would, we, would we be talking about nations signing goals to halt climate change? I wouldn't, it would be a world in which I wouldn't need to, to struggle to bring a program like Solaris to the world. It would be one that it would be overflowed with, with, with candidates because there's, the organizations are just so desperate to a world where equality is it. Can you imagine that kind of world? It'd be a world in which my children and my children's children would thrive in. 
That's what keeps me awake at night, actually. How can we bring that world where humanity is predominantly kind versus predominantly evil? And that would then seep into the world of work. And we had leaders that had purpose, service, love, contribution at the heart of everything they did. That would be amazing. Beautiful. And it's why the League of Entrepreneurs, you know, and why Global Entrepreneur yeah. Week is this community starting that work. Um, so what so you're doing talk- is absolutely inspiring. It's it is, and and if we had entrepreneurs, all you need is one, one in each organization that's willing to take that first step. It takes one. Mm. So what do they do on Monday then with this? Because I think everybody watching will resonate with what you just shared and have some aspect of that dream and their own dream and vision for the future. What can these entrepreneurs do Monday to start, you know, to continue, I guess, advancing this work? Well, the first thing they got to do is reflect themselves before they even start Monday. What would be different for me? when I step into work on Monday, if I was coming from a place of love and how comfortable would I be? And if if love were present in that first two, three meetings I'm going to be engaged in, what would be different? What difference would it make to my organization? How easy would we be able to get things done? What could be the benefit for the people in my business? And then as an entrepreneur, who are the allies that I could have a conversation with and not feel embarrassed or not be looked at funny. And then when I get into the office, that meeting, first meeting, I say, well, what can I experiment with given my reflection on the Monday? So start small. One, experiment. Two, reflect on that experiment. How did you feel doing it? Did you get any funny looks? Did you feel strange? Thirdly, now you've thought about the allies. I'll set up a meeting with Ally 1 and Ally 2 to just have a conversation, get a sense of where are you at and practice love in that meeting. Where might they be? When I go into their office or we have a meet over coffee or even a Zoom coffee, whatever it might be, when I ask the question, how are you? Am I genuinely listening? Or did I have my agenda to talk about this? So those are the things I would still reflect, plan, experiment, find an ally and start the dialogue. What does it mean in our business? And then like with any change program, of course, there are some businesses that might say, well, we go in with love straight away. Others might say, well, let's start with kindness. The end destination is love, but we may start here so that we can take our organization and our teams with us. It's beautiful, such practical advice. Thank you for our dreamers who do. Uh, so I'm going to end with the question that you just brought, which is, is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, I would love to see the results of what happens with your week. I'd love to understand where your entrepreneurs are so I can follow them and see what's happening in their organizations. On a very practical level, I would love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn. We can carry on the dialogue. I would love people to buy my book, Beyond Engagement. There's a lot of tools in there and ideas in there that people can use and apply. 
So I would love it because it's about a movement. This, this, this is so important. And I would love for organizations that have black women in them because the issue of race is the most complex and the most challenging. If you have a black woman in your organization who's about eight to 10 years in, and you know she would benefit from a leadership program that empowers the black woman and puts her in the midst of other powerful black women like her so that she can benefit and your organization can benefit, please go and have a look at solarisleadership.com and reach out to me and let's have a dialogue and see how we can bring change. Yatine, thank you so much thank for you, bringing your ideas, your vision, and this beautiful invitation for us to ask each other truly, how are you? So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This recording was contributed by members of our Global Presencing community. Learn more about our tools, our methods, and programs for systems change at presencing.org.